Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick. Welcome back, everybody. We're back at the Triple S Podcast. I've been waiting a long time to say that, and uh, it's been a while since we've talked. It's been a while since I've released an episode, but all I could say is I'm glad to be back. I had quite a bit of stuff going on, not to make too many excuses, but uh, just traveled the world, was in Africa. Uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff trying to keep up with, with my social life and stuff like that with my friends, my girlfriend. So, But at the end of the day, had to get back in here just in time for the Super Bowl. I'll give you guys that one last episode before the Super Bowl just to let you know my thoughts on kind of the postseason, the way the season ended, and uh, a little bit of other things we got on the docket. So let's dive right into it. So we'll start off with the playoffs. And I'd be hard-pressed to find a better subject to start on when it comes to the playoffs than the Tennessee Titans. If you would have told me, I didn't even think the Titans would be in the playoffs. There was a point where I honestly thought, Okay, it's probably going to be Pittsburgh. As a Miami fan, I'm a little disappointed because that just means our draft pick that we got from them in the Micah Fitzpatrick trade is going to be a lower or a higher and higher number, right? So it's going to be not a, not as good of a pick. And then all of a sudden, Tennessee comes out of nowhere with this late push, Ryan Tannehill doing things that he never did in Miami and leads them to the postseason, all credit to him. And then at that point, you know, a lot of people, including myself, were like, wow, like they made they just made a great playoff push. Unfortunately, they now got to go play Brady because my Dolphins beat Tom Brady in Week 17, forced him out of that bye week. So, you know, a lot of people are thinking, oh, well, you know, it was a nice little run. They made the playoffs. Good for Ryan Tannehill. Good for Vrabel. But now it's come to go, it's time to go get your licks, go to New England, and then we'll see who New England plays after that. But out of nowhere, Derrick Henry in that run game, Tannehill making plays with his arm when he had to end with his legs because we all know he's a mobile quarterback, former wide receiver. And then out of nowhere, the Tennessee Titans are moving on to the divisional round. So at that point, they've shocked the world. They beat the number three seed, New England Patriots, who probably should have had a bye week. So now who do they go and play? The Baltimore Ravens. Because they can't possibly beat. Lamar Jackson just had a storybook season. He broke Michael Vick's single-season rushing record by over 100 yards. He led them to the best, or I think it was the best record in the NFL uh, just a, an amazing season, number one seed in the AFC. And then what happens? The same thing. Derrick Henry tears it up again, run game. And again, Tannehill, got to give him his credit where it's due. He's making plays when the team needs him to make those plays. He's not going out of his way, throwing for 400 yards and four touchdowns. But when you have a running back like Derrick Henry, what they're going to ask you to do is is more of a game manager role. Not to say he was was so much game managing that might be a poor cho- poor choice of terms but he didn't lose them the game he didn't I wouldn't say he won them that game but he definitely did not lose them that game I will put that win on the defense as well as Derrick Henry but Tannehill did make his plays when he had to make those plays and then out of nowhere crazy two wins that nobody would have guessed the Tennessee Titans getting they take down New England in Foxborough very hard thing to do they go into Baltimore, the hottest team in the NFL, uh, a favorite to win the Super Bowl at that point, and they knock them off the horse too. Crazy, crazy ride. They then go to the AFC Championship as a sixth seed, which again is nuts. And unfortunately for them, you know, the storybook ending kind of comes to an end there. Pat Mahomes says, settle down Tannehill, settle down Derrick Henry. They kept Derrick Henry under 100 yards. 
that defense looked very, very good in that game. Tyron Matthew laying people out. Um, but again, got to give shout-outs to the Titans in the way that they played at the end of the regular season as well as in the playoffs. It's something that I definitely commend. And uh, I'm really, I was happy to see 10. I'm always happy when Dolphins players leave and they find success. Jarvis Landry had a Pro Bowl season this year. Tannehill was even in the Pro Bowl after his performances this year. So it's nice when you see those players leave and have success. And when you leave and see them beat the Patriots in the playoffs, I mean, that's just a bonus. So we'll move on a little bit. <clears throat> it was another late, or sorry, it was another early playoff exit for Lamar Jackson. As we all know, last year, his first ever playoff game, he was in there and uh, they unfortunately lost that game. I believe it was to the Chargers. I'm going to double check that while we uh, continue talking. This year, same deal, expected to win. Number one seed against the number six seed, and he can't get it done. There's a lot of murmurs from people about saying that. Let's start off by saying Lamar Jackson has a lot of haters. There was a lot of people that when he came out of the draft were saying, oh, he's a running back, he's not, he's not going to be a good quarterback, he's going to get hurt, and this and that. And if you really stack it up, he hasn't missed games other than the game that he missed at the end of the year, but that was because they arrested him. All the other quarterbacks, well, not all of them, but there's quarterbacks in that class who have missed games. Josh Allen's missed games because of concussions. Uh, Sam Darnold's missed games because of his mononucleosis. There's, there's quarterbacks in that class that have missed games because of injuries or other. And all these people talking about how Lamar Jackson running is going to be a problem. He hasn't missed any games yet due to injury. So I don't know where those people are at now. They tend to come out when he loses that playoff game, though, and they, they come back and they say, oh, he can't throw, he can't do this, he can't do that. I'm still on the Lamar Jackson hype train. I mean, we saw him do it for a whole season. Without a doubt, he's going to be the NFL MVP for 2019, and uh, this is only his second year, and it's only his first full year. Let's, let's keep that in mind, right? So he took over late for Joe Flacco last year and led them to a 6-1 and record. Amazing. Had the early playoff exit. This year... Amazing season, probably going to be, well, he's going to be the MVP, first round exit again. Give him another two years, I think you'll find him in the in the Super Bowl. So just give him a little bit of time. He's still only 23 years old, and I believe he's actually younger than me if you want to stack up birthdays. So just for a bit of perspective, he's still so young. He's got a lot of football ahead of him. So let's, let's hit the pause button on uh, the Lamar Jackson hate for a second. All right, so... Unfortunately, Lamar Jackson wasn't able to get it done this year and get his first playoff win, but one of his fellow AFC quarterbacks was able to do just that and get their first playoff win. So shout out to Deshaun Watson, who this year took down the Buffalo Bills and uh, beat them at home in what was a crazy game, really entertaining game, went to overtime. So shout out to Deshaun Watson. And if you didn't watch that game, I have to pick out one play for you guys Uh Search up on YouTube or wherever you want to search up for, for your plays, your highlights. Deshaun Watson to Taiwan Jones in the overtime. It was a crazy play. He had contact from two defenders in the backfield. Somehow didn't fall down. Was able to keep his balance. Rolls out. Completes a big pass. And this isn't the first time we've seen something like this from Deshaun Watson. Think about the play where he was almost blinded by a cleat coming into his eye still with one eye finds a way to complete the pass for a touchdown there's so many plays where there's a reason they call him Houdini right he he makes outstanding plays and I'm really excited to see what he does next year with that team um, and see how they retool their team with free agents and whatnot to see how they make that to, how they make that push to make that next step 
towards not just winning in the wild card round, but winning in the divisional round and advancing into conference championships. And uh, at some point, hopefully, we see Deshaun Watson in the Super Bowl. I think we will in the next three to four or five, three, four or five years. So next up, uh, I want to talk about Tom Brady. So as I as we talked about a little bit before, that the whole the whole thing I I kind of want to rewind it back to, you know I'm, I am a Dolphins fan, so we're going to rewind it to Week 17. So things could have been a lot different had New England just taken care of business against the Miami Dolphins, who were a huge underdog in that game in Week 17. Had they taken care of that game, who knows what would have happened? They wouldn't have had to play Wild Card Weekend where they lost to the Titans. It would have been the Chiefs playing them. So let's just say the Chiefs win. Or either way, let's who knows who wins. You give New England an extra week off, an extra week to game plan. It's it's hard to say, right? But as we know, the Dolphins beat them in week 17. They had to play wild card weekend, early exit. That starts to fuel the what's next for Tom Brady talk. So as if you didn't know, one thing that I found very interesting is that he cleared out his suite at uh, at the stadium, at the, his home stadium. Uh, he started the moving process. I think he's moved out of his home in Massachusetts. You put put those things together, and it starts to create the image that he may not be back in New England next year. And that's a very popular topic of debate. A lot of people are saying he might go to L.A. He might go to the Vegas Knights. The, not Vegas Knights. That's a hockey team. My bad. He might go to the Vegas Raiders, where the, Ra- the current Oakland Raiders are moving to. There's a lot of potential spots. Uh, but I want to give my take on the whole situation. <clears throat> You look at quarterbacks in the past who have had historic careers and then moved on to other teams. Brett Favre with the Packers has an outstanding career, Hall of Fame career, goes to the Vikings. He did all right. He had a, he had a little bit of success there. You want to go even further back, you, we could look at Joe Montana. Had a fantastic career with the uh, San Francisco 49ers, won all kinds of Super Bowls. Then he went on to the Chiefs and played for them for a little bit. Not as successful. When it comes to these kind of situations... My take is that Tom Brady, if you're listening, I know you're not listening, but if you were listening, Tom Brady, stay put. Stay put. You want to go to the Oak, the Vegas Raiders? They're just relocating there. I don't, I don't know how your wife and kids are going to feel about living in Vegas. Is the team even going to be that good? What are your receivers saying? That was one of your main problems in New England this year. You didn't have any really top-tier receivers. I mean, Edelman is, is a, really, a really good player, but... This year, he wasn't all there. All right, you just lost Gronk. You go to Oakland, who do you have? You have Darren Waller, who's an up-and-coming tight end. Sure, I'll give you that. But outside of that, I mean, Tyrell Williams, I'll give him a bit of credit. He's a good B receiver. But who's the number one, right? So you go to, o- you go to so I keep saying Oakland, you go to Vegas, I don't think that's the best fit. A lot of people are saying Miami and for the sake of my, my franchise's team, who's building for longevity in the future, I don't think that that's a good fit for you either. You're not going to have a good O-line. You're not going to have crazy weapons. I mean, you will have Devontae Parker, who had a great year. But overall, I think if Tom Brady is to move, he wants to be somewhere where he can compete for championships. And let's face it, next year, Vegas, it ain't it. Let's say Miami, it ain't it. And even the Chargers... I'm not sure if that's it either, even when you add Brady to that equation, right? So I think he needs to have a good core around him, good offensive line, and a couple of receivers because we saw what happened this year when he doesn't have those things. He wasn't able to, even with a great defense, he wasn't able to uplift them past the Titans, right? So 
If I'm Brady, if you're Brady, if, sorry, Brady, for listening to me, stay put. I think your best chance at continued success, you know, you patch things up with Belichick. There's rumors about little rifts in their relationship. If there is, patch that up, move forward, and uh, I think you'll be all right. Might even win another championship as much as it kills me to say. So I'll say that on Brady. <clears throat> and on the note of, of Brady's early exit and the whole where is he going to go next, the Patriots are finally out of the Super Bowl, people. And I know there's NFL fans everywhere that are rejoicing. So happy to see new teams in the Super Bowl. And just think about it this way. The last time the 49ers were in the Super Bowl was seven years ago in that really good game against Baltimore, right, in 2013. The last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl was 50 years ago. So these are very, like, seven years and 50 years. Those are both long times, especially 50 years. So it's great to see a new team in the AFC, a new team in the NFC in the Super Bowl representing. Um, And it's just fun to see parity in the league because before it was kind of at a place where every year it's like, okay, like New England's most likely going to be there. Who are they going to play from the NFC? That kind of deal. But it's good to see new teams starting to get uplifted now that they're getting those young quarterbacks, right? Those young quarterbacks are in year two, three, and four. They're starting to shine, bring their teams to the Super Bowl. Pat Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, both young quarterbacks. Good to see two new teams in the Super Bowl for sure. So now we're going to move on to the main event, talking about the Super Bowl. So as we were just talking about, we got two new teams in there, the San Francisco 49ers from the NFC, Kansas City Chiefs from the AFC, and I'm very, very excited for this football game. Got some friends coming over to watch it. We're going to have lots of food, lots of drinks, and let's just get right into it, guys. So this is one of those games where it's an unstoppable force versus an immovable object. And what I mean by saying that is that all year, the Kansas City Chiefs offense has been an unstoppable force. They were second in points scored. If, if, you, if you've watched them or if you know about them, you know that they have a high-powered offense. Mahomes can throw the ball for almost the length of the field. Tyreek Hill has speed to burn. Travis Kelsey's one of the best tight ends in the league. And then they have just speed all around. McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins can still run. Uh, they have lots of playmakers, Damian Williams in the backfield, LaShawn McCoy, and they also have a very, very good offensive line. So you wrap that all up, and you have a high-powered offense that got it done all year, and a lot of people are saying that they think they're going to get it done in the Super Bowl. So let's flip gears. So we talked about the unstoppable force. Let's talk about the immovable object. So the San Francisco 49ers defense, I'll be honest, during the course of the season, there was times where I had a little bit of questions about them which it's going to sound ridiculous to a lot of people because of how well they played. But when you talk about a top, top defense, a lot of times I was wondering, are they as good as the Patriots defense are? And I should have been slapped in the face because they are far and away one of the top one or two defenses in the entire league right now. They have playmakers at every level. Their front four is outstanding. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, uh, they also have um, D. Ford, who's a former chief, which is interesting. We'll get to him in a little bit. He's been talking quite a bit. Uh, that front that front four is amazing. Then in the linebacking core, they have Fred Warner. They also have um, Quan Alexander, two really good playmakers uh, who can run, who can cover, who can tackle. And on the back end, you have Richard Sherman, who resurged his career this year. 
year nine, and he was number one rated pro football focus corner. Now, with that being said, I don't believe he's currently the best corner in the league, but you have to still respect his game, and I think that he kind of put the league on notice this year saying, hey, I could still play. Like, when you talk about your top fives, a lot of times, including myself, people tend to leave out the older guys, right? Like, sometimes you forget about Pat P. Sometimes you forget about Sherman, right? Those guys are getting towards the end of their careers. We want to talk about the Marshawn Lattimore's, the Jalen Ramsey's, the Stephon Gilmore's, and rightfully so. But I think that this year, Richard Sherman definitely had a chip on his shoulder and something to prove, especially coming off of that Achilles injury a couple years ago when he negotiated his own deal to come to San Fran. Had a lot to prove, and shout out to him. He did it this year, got it done, had a fantastic year. Um, and also in that in that uh, defensive backfield, they have players like uh, Kaywon Williams. Then um, they also have, um, at safety, they have uh, Jimmy Ward. And outside of Sherman, I mean, that secondary is, is, is pretty solid. They don't have too many big names other than Sherman in the secondary, but they were able to get it done all year. I believe they were the number two pass defense in the league in terms of yardage, so you know that they're going to be able to lock down receivers. It's going to be interesting to see who gets the edge in, un in the battle between an unstoppable force, KC offense, and the immovable object that is the defense of San Francisco. My opinion is that it's a slight edge to the Kansas City offense, and the main reason for that is Patrick Mahomes. When you look at what he can do on the football field, I don't think there's any player outside of maybe Lamar Jackson who the the 49ers did play that they've seen that can do the things he can do. And there's, I'll even be honest, there's things that Lamar, that sorry, um, Patrick Mahomes can do that Lamar can do, obviously, in terms of throwing back across your body and the no look passes. And it, when you look at it, shout out to, to uh, Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator for the uh, 49ers. He's done a great job of game planning. I just don't know if there's a way you could fully game plan for everything that Patrick Mahomes brings to the table because. Even on a given play, I think there's times where he doesn't know what's going to end up happening. Look at that play that he had last year where he reverses field to his left, then reverses field again back to his right, and throws a touchdown in the corner to, I believe at the time it was Chris Connolly, who's not with the team anymore, uh, but at the time he was. And I believe that might have been against the Bills. I could be wrong here. But for, for those who would know, who have seen that play, you know what I'm talking about. He reverses field twice. There's no way that he knew ahead of time when that play started that that's how it was going to go down. I do believe that the that front four is going to get pressure on him. They don't blitz a lot because they get a lot of pressure with that front four as it is. But I think that he's going to be able to make a couple guys miss here and there and make some crazy throws that, I mean, he's going to put on the show. It's the Super Bowl, his first ever Super Bowl. I think he's going to shine bright and uh, lead them to outdueling the unstoppable force of San Fran's defense. <clears throat> All right, so we talked about the battle between the offense and defense. Now I want to talk a little bit about that Kansas City Chiefs defense. So at the beginning of the year, uh, a lot of people might have heard me say this, but I was very adamant that I didn't think the Chiefs would make it to this level. A, because of the resurgence of the, uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens and how Lamar Jackson was playing. I saw that and I immediately thought of them as a, a potential contender. At the time, I still saw the New England Patriots as a contender. They were playing really well at the beginning of the year. And you pile those two things with the fact that 
At the beginning of the year, the Kansas City Chiefs defense was not what it is today. They were giving up a lot in the run game. Their pass defense was not very solid. I mean, they had Chris Jones go down with an injury, which definitely hurts their interior run defense. And then in terms of cornerback play, at the beginning of the year, it was just atrocious. Brashad Breeland, I've said it on this podcast before, Brashad Breeland was horrible at the beginning of the year. But with that being said, over the course of the season, they showed their little flashes, and now come playoff time, when it really mattered, they've been making plays. And no man has been making more plays on that Kansas City defense than Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. He don't care. The Honey Badger don't care. He's been making plays all over the field. Watch that game against the Titans. That game against the Titans was insanity. That game alone, I looked at that at that game, I watched it live, and I thought, yeah, I think the Chiefs got the Super Bowl. Because you mix in that battle between the offense and defense, it's very close. But then you mix in the fact that the Kansas City defense is playing the way they're playing now. I think that the Honey Badger is going to make a few really key plays. He might come up with a pick of Jimmy Garoppolo if he holds onto the ball and maybe stares on a receiver. Maybe even take it to the house. You heard it here first. But the way that he played, he was lighting up players on under routes. Ryan Tannehill threw a little uh, flat route to, I believe it was, Corey Davis. And he turns around. As soon as he caught it, turns around. Honey Badger's right there. Smacks him in the mouth. Made plays all over the field. And I think he might end up being the difference in that Super Bowl. So outside of that, I do want to touch a little bit on the run game of the San Francisco 49ers. So as we saw last game, I mean, Raheem Mostert came out to play. And with that being said, I don't know if he'll necessarily have to carry as heavy a load this next game because they do have another stud running back in Matt Breda. Uh, They also have Tevin Coleman. But when you think about those three backs that they have, that's such a stacked defensive backfield or offensive backfield. And you pair that with a very good offensive line that they have and one of the best block, if not the best blocking tight end in the whole league in George Kittle. They're a tough team to defend the run against, right? Which is why sometimes Jimmy Garoppolo can get lost in the mix and uh, he's not asked to throw. In the NFC Championship game, he threw the ball eight times. He was, but he was six for eight for 88 yards. And a lot of people look at that and say, well, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is a weak link. And I, I, kind of, I kind of agree with that. But at the same time, it's hard to judge a player negatively when he's only asked to throw the ball. He can't call his own plays per se, right? He might be able to make checks. But when you're running the ball that successfully, you're not really going to check out a run plays to, to go and pass the ball when the run is working so well, right? So he's only asked to throw the ball eight times. He completes six of them for 88 yards. That's a pretty good turnaround. But uh, my point in all this being the run game of the 49ers is very dominant. It's very, very dominant. Raheem Mostert had a monster game last game. I think that they're going to try and run the ball against the Chiefs. Uh, We'll see how it goes. I I think that they're going to end up having around high 100, maybe 170, 180 rushing yards between all of their rushers, maybe a couple scores. But in the end, I think that the high-powered offense of the Chiefs is going to outscore the offense of the San Francisco 49ers, KC Chiefs, Super Bowl champions. So that's it for our Super Bowl episode, our little preview. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I hope you guys are ready to see this ugly grill in future episodes because I'm going to be coming at you soon uh, with a couple more episodes. So from the Triple S Podcast, I'm Brandon Smith signing off. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Take care. Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick.